You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Mavericks for Tuesday, October 4th. Uh, Thank you for listening to Locked on Mavericks. Feel free to subscribe and rate and review us if you feel so inclined. It's the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team, and it's every single day. We got something for you on uh, your favorite football team. If you do fantasy sports, they're in there as well. Obviously, the Mavs are your favorite basketball team. Otherwise, you're a psychotic person listening to this a month before the season kicks off. But anyway, thanks for being here. And uh, we're happy to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Mike Marshall. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Machine Sports. You can also follow the show at uh, Locked On Mavs if, you, uh, if you'd like to do that. We'll always tweet you every day whenever the uh, episode gets uploaded, which is usually about 10 a.m. unless it's pre-recorded. There's a little trick for you. Um, <clears throat> I'm one of your hosts today. My, uh, my audio better half is on the other side of this phone line. His name is Jacob Kemp at Not Jack Kemp. On Twitter, if you'd like to follow him, Jacob, how are you, friend? Doing well, man. I would say that uh, I would say that you would probably there's something wrong with you if you're listening to this. If you're not a huge Mavs fan, but I would also say there's probably something wrong with you if you're a huge Mavs fan. <laughs> you just hate listening. <laughs> I understand. Like I've never hate listened to anything, but uh, if that's something you're into, that's fine, Sue. No, no, um, I don't mean hate listen. I just mean the general concept of being a huge Mavs fan. <laughs> oh yeah, you're definitely. You're uh, you're the battered wife, is what you are. Especially like you as just... we walk through these, uh, like, you remember that one awesome vacation to like Turks and Caicos, <laughs> and you just keep hoping that it's coming right. back. Right, you just walk. It's on the you walk down the stairs, and it's that one picture that you just stare at every day. You're like, damn. You keep hoping it's coming back, but you keep ending up at in Fredericksburg, <laughs> Hill Country, get away for the weekend, which is, which is nice. Where you just you know? fight because she doesn't want to eat barbecue. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to pick back up where we left off yesterday, uh, talking about the Mavericks. Um, their tact in team building since the 2011 championship will pick up at the end of the 13-14 season uh, here in just a minute, which is the our favorite little Jose Calderon, Monte Ellis season, and Sam D'Alembert. And we'll talk about that Spurs series a little bit uh, that got us all excited for like 15 hot minutes. But uh, there was a preseason uh, home opener last night over at the American Airlines Center. Center very well attended, as uh, as the box score will tell you. Uh, Nineteen thousand, nineteen point two sellout. Which, uh, yeah, my ass. Um, but uh, they got a W, so uh, ain't no stopping us now. Ninety five, eighty eight Mavericks over the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Harrison Barnes was awful. Yeah, uh, one of six in the first quarter. Uh, three points. One of ten overall, four fouls in the first 11 minutes. Uh, just looked pretty lost. Got some good looks and just wasn't knocking them down. It looked like the finals all over again. So if you're looking for some kind of encouragement on that front, you're going to have to wait. Um, I guess the fun thing was Seth Curry went bananas in the third quarter. Um, and I watched basically up until the third quarter uh, of this game until uh, Keith Hornsby got out there and started crapping up the place. Um, but Seth Curry in the third quarter was nuts. Uh, 17 points, um, 
six of 11, four of five on threes. And I don't want to get too out in front of my skis on Seth Curry, but that did nothing to uh, <laughs> dampen my excitement uh, about him. And I think he's about to have a, a coming out party of sorts because, dude, when he had the ball, I mean, he, he ran point – he ran point a lot of the time because uh, Darren didn't play, and then you don't you know you don't want to burn Berea for 30 minutes in a preseason game, and it looked like every time he had the ball, he was just wishing someone would give him two to three feet to shoot. Yeah, and he gave no f's about it, and uh, that's very encouraging if you're a fan of Seth Curry, Operation Real Friends 2.0. Uh, Wes had a couple of nice drives to the basket, which was really encouraging um, just to see him. Uh, act like he has professional athlete legs again. Uh, I think nine points total for Wes, if I can get this box score to load for me. But um, most encouraging thing, and he was moving well underneath his legs. So uh, Justin Anderson looked like he was playing with a little swagger. Uh, added a baby hook, which was really confusing, but it worked. Nice little left-handed baby hook. He also and had a little jab step back that I don't remember seeing him hit last year at all. Yeah. No, he did that. Uh, are you talking about the, the three? Or this the, uh, the mid-range. The third quarter. It was mid-range, yeah. but, I mean, he somewhat had a hand in his face, and he basically just took what was there, jabbed, and pulled up. Yeah, he was good from mid-range. Like, he, uh, someone chased him off the three-point line a couple times, and he would take one step in and just have a little confident, you know, 20-footer and knocked him down pretty nice. And I think, like, he was – I'm really excited for him, obviously, and last, last night definitely helped that enthusiasm because of, uh, you know, he – Got a smaller defender on him, bodied the hell out of him, got a good look. The one thing I didn't love is he still does weird crap when shooting threes. Like, I remember last last year hitting the side of the backboard a couple times. <laughs> and then uh, last night he did this thing. He tried the Parsons move of, like, heavy pump fake stride. But he didn't actually, like, get out of his original pivot position. And he tried to step right back into his, his three-point stance and shoot the three. And I'm like, there is no way you're on balance. You just pump fake, took a long stride, stepped backwards, and tried to knock that down. I'm like, just remember all the times in your life that you've taken that exact shot, and remember none of them going in. <laughs> like, so the Mavs get a uh, victory in the preseason home opener, 95-88. They do the fun little trick of shooting 1,000 free throws again in a preseason game and letting that game go until about uh, 10 p.m. Or 10.30. It was actually later last night. Um, I think Racino and Gibson are solidifying those final two spots. I think there's seven guys fighting for two spots on the roster, and it's actually six for one because uh, Gibson's year this year is guaranteed for a little bit over half a mil. And I know people say they, you know, they've signed, they've loaded their roster and let guys go before, but I don't think they've ever done it for over half a mil on a guaranteed uh, one year. And if they keep him, uh, he's got a three-year um, really cheap, deal with zero guarantees in it so I think Gibson has that one spot and it's six dudes fighting for one and I think Bersino's shown enough to uh, sit on the end of the bench and give you a little bit of a small forward depth and a uh in a perfect world but uh let's get back to uh 13-14 what we were talking about um yesterday if you missed uh 2011 to the 13-14 season listen to yesterday's we talked all about it and decided it's a uh, good enough topic and a long enough uh, talker that we can uh, do two episodes on it. We might even, you know, do some more later in the uh, in the week or next week or something. But thirteen fourteen was the uh, the off season leading into it was the off season of Dwight. Um, they made the animated uh, pitch video. He didn't buy it. He chose uh, Houston. 
That was not uh, a great look. I would have thought that as someone who gets things pitched to him uh, as part of a very successful television show, which I watch a lot of, that uh, Cubes would have known that going with the comic book animation, <laughs> that is less I'm, – I'm just hoping that's the only time they did that. Let me say that. Uh, Hassan Whiteside didn't see a cartoon video. <laughs> they scrapped the cartoon video My after God, the one man. the one try. Um, so yeah, they uh, and one of the little wrinkles of the Dwight Howard pursuit is um, dropping back in the draft uh, to take Shane Larkin. Uh, save think, money. Yeah, you got to save that half a million dollars so you can offer Dwight Max. And uh, the way I understand it, from people that are very close to the organization, they were hell bent on getting a point guard. And after Michael Carter-Williams went at, I think, like 11 or something like that, they had 13. And they say, what's the difference between dropping back to, like, 17? And, uh, you know, we'll just take Shane Larkin or insert point guard here. They're all the same. Um, Shane Larkin was never going to be much um, in this league or on this team. And they like to retell it as if uh, him breaking his ankle, about to hop on the plane to uh, summer league, derailed, derailed his career. But he had... Um, you know, I could count on both my, both my hands and my, in my feet, in my feet, uh, the flaws that I saw in Shane Larkin's game. Yeah, no, I mean, being under six foot was the problem, not his ankle. He was under six foot. He was undersized, a great pick and roll, potentially a great explosive pick and roll ball handler. His synergy numbers in college are really solid, but I mean, I knew right when they drafted him, you're drafting a career backup and that's been the case. And you can look at some of these other guys that were there. Schroeder goes at 17. And I, I, I don't think it's – it's probably not wise to look at every single player that's taken after your pick in every draft and say, well, what about that guy? What about that guy? What about <laughs> yeah. that guy? Because a lot of people missed on these people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've joked with you about the value of Gorgie Jang before. But Gorgie Jang went at 21 in that draft. He would have started for the Mavericks that year. Yeah. He would have started over D'Alembert that year, and he would have been a starter – up until now Mm -hmm. uh, at the five for them. Unless, you know, obviously he was involved in a trade. He'll probably end up starting uh, this year. Giannis is the one that they tried to tell us afterward that they really wanted. I don't know that I really believe that because they told me, or people made it pretty clear that they wanted a a guard, that they wanted a, a point guard. So maybe Trey Burke, maybe MC Dub are not starters, but they had a way better chance of being starters than Larkin ever had. And I'll take my chances with their coaching staff and with the fact that they would have been around other good players, which early on in their career, Burke and Carter Williams were not, um, and giving them a shot that Larkin never, ever had. So not only did you trade back, and I'll tell you something else too. I think if you think you're in the mix for for a max player, if you really think that just half a mil a year is going to be that big of a deal, you probably don't have that good of a chance. Because I know that most of these guys end up signing max deals, unless it's LeBron or Wade or Bosh. But I still think that if you have that attractive of a team, that attractive of a roster and situation, offering 21 instead of 21 and a half, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Yeah, and uh, I do think it's really cute after the fact to say we really wanted Giannis. We were super into it. Uh, they did the same thing with Porzingis, um, what, year before last, uh, whenever he got drafted. And, like, if you really like a guy and you have a read on him and you're leaning that he's going to be way different than the other collection of players in this draft, 
trade up and go get him. Yeah. Shoot your shot. And you know what that's going to take? It's going to take another pick, which yep. you obviously weren't that all that concerned about parting with later on down the road whenever you made a deal for Rondo and Powell. So if you were going to if, – if you – I guess it's just my thought of, like, you have to have a holistic planning in place. If you really – if you really think that that pick is that that pick you ended up moving for Rondo is worth trading, then trade it to move up in the draft and get an elite player. I would even yeah. take I would have taken Nerlens Noel in that draft. Yeah, you're sitting at 13. Throw another first in there. Move up. Go get someone you really like. And yeah. the top of that draft is pretty bad, mm-hmm. but the middle of it is awesome. Yeah, and that's kind of where they were. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to sit here and say, hey. You should have known Rudy Gobert was going to be Rudy Gobert whenever 26 other teams passed on Rudy Gobert. Yeah. But and, and they no, played, I say, there's plenty of other opportunities that you can, I'm not cherry picking here. Right. They took in a in a solid middle of the first round draft, they completely whiffed. Hell, they would have been better off with Olenek. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. I think it's who they originally drafted before they traded the pick, right. before it was announced. And let's not forget. They played themselves out of a premium pick by getting to 500 the year before that. That's true. For zero reason. Just so you could shave your stupid beards. That's why you got to 500. There's nothing tangible you can show for it. Well, you picked at 13 and took Olenek, and Steven Adams was taken at 12. There you go. Uh, McCollum at at 10. You know, I mean, again, the top of this draft is really bad. But if you believe that you could have somehow not been – someone to make one of the worst picks in the history of basketball. <laughs> and Anthony Bennett and Otto Porter, and probably I would even say Cody Zeller belongs in that mix. Yeah. As long as you could not do that, you would have ended up with a long-term, near-all-star level caliber player. Because 1 through 20, well, really 1 through 30 in this draft is full of those. Yeah. So they roll into this season uh, without Dwight, obviously. But you add, you scramble, and you add Jose Calderon and Monte on a last-minute deal. You get Samuel Dallenbert in here. And looking at this season from the uh, from the numbers, it makes no sense to me how they won 49 games. Um, they were third in offensive rating. So Calderon and Monte really uh, helped the uh, on the offensive end. Uh, 22nd in defensive rating, and this was the um, this was the ultimate Dirk bounce back year. He scored uh, 22 a game. Uh, six boards, shot 39-8 from three. Like, this was the year. Like, this was the last really great Dirk year. And uh, you saw what kind of cheat code he and Carlisle are, even with, um, I don't even know, what B, C-level uh, players around him for the most part. I mean, he still had Marion, but he was uh, he was getting long in the tooth. Talenberg, Calderon, Monte, Marion, and Dirk won 49 games. <laughs> That's so bizarre to me. And with a, uh, you know, a second-year Jay Crowder, Vince Carter giving you something, but, dude, the bench isn't, like, that impressive either outside of maybe Brandon Wright for, uh, for stretches there. And then we get to the playoffs, uh, and they get to face the uh, San Antonio Spurs. And the Spurs win game one, Mavs win game two, and then the Vince Carter walk-off uh, corner three in game three, and we all think that everything is fine and dandy. The Mavs are... They're still magicians. They still know what they're doing. Um, and then San Antonio hits you really stinking hard in the mouth. Uh, wins the next three of the four. And, uh, yeah, you spin off into another offseason.
All right, hey guys, we had a couple of uh, technical difficulties when recording this morning's episode, and uh, no worries, we got them figured out because we are uh, professional wizards. But the issue is we uh, had to reconnect a couple times and didn't realize how long we had gone. We ended up with about 50 plus minutes of audio, <laughs> and uh, the rule is kind of keep them short here. So what we're going to do is uh, end right there at the end of the 13 14 um, Mavericks season with the loss to the San Antonio Spurs 3-4 uh, in the first round. And we're going to pick up with the 14-15 uh, offseason, the Tyson Chandler trade, the um, Chandler Parsons free agency pursuit, and uh, touch on a couple other things too tomorrow in tomorrow's episode. Uh, Jonathan Charks has a new article out on the ringer about uh, Harrison Barnes, the recruitment of Harrison Barnes, and uh, the expectations and whether he can live up to them. And also, uh, Justin Anderson talked at length to Basketball Insider this week, and we'll review both those articles at the beginning of tomorrow's episode and then dive right back into the the 14-15 offseason. Of course, you know Tyson, you know Parsons, and we'll go on at length about Rondo and then talk about, uh, you know, what they did the following offseason with the pursuit of DeAndre and uh, the door and or the chair in front of the door at his uh, Houston home. So we'll, uh, we'll get at you tomorrow with a, um, with the rest of this discussion on the Mavs team building, but uh, thank you for listening to the locked on Mavericks. We're a part of the uh, larger locked on podcast network. It's your team. It's every single day. Please uh, subscribe, give us a review, uh, check out some of the other products that the Locked On Podcast Network is, uh, is doing every day for you. And uh, once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow.